welcome back to Tuesday at Dobbs's. This week's episode is a special. I aim to bring you, with all of your help, input and opinion, the top up-and-coming investment bikes. The bikes that haven't quite exploded, but looking at years and decades gone by, trying to get a sense of the bikes that have already exploded and using that knowledge to find out what are the future classics in waiting. Before I get started on the list, this week's episode is sponsored by XL Moto, the one-stop shop for all things biking related, and their Black November sale has begun. So go and check them out because they've got some brilliant savings across the board. You know, this has been really difficult for me, trying to go through all of your brilliant recommendations and streamline a concise list of, of bikes that I think will be future classics. Going on your re recommendations, and it's extra hard for me because a lot of you will be more knowledgeable than me, so trying to siphon it down and filter it down to such a short list has been incredibly difficult. I've learned a few things from all of your tips and insights. One thing is this. Monica said to me just before I started filming, she said, well, your, your Bonneville will be a future classic. And I said, Monica, it won't because it's not the generation one. It's not the, the ultimate version of that Bonneville. It's not a, a game-changing bike. It's not a trend-setting bike of its era. Yes, it may be a beautiful bike in my eyes, but it is not a defining bike of this specific generation. And that's why my Bonneville won't be a classic. So I'm going to begin the list with a mixture of your views, your insights, and exact bikes that you think are classics in waiting. I begin from David. Good evening, Freddie. My bike, pictured, is a 1980 Suzuki GSX 1100ET. For what it cost me to restore this bike, including the initial cost of the donor bike, I could have purchased a brand new Triumph Tiger 1200. The Triumph would no doubt be faster, handle much better, and more importantly would stop when the brakes are applied, but that's not what it is. There's such a brilliant sense of occasion riding the big Suzuki, and because they're so rare now, wherever you go, the bike draws a crowd. It's not really about, well, it'll make me feel 20 years old again, because it doesn't. In fact, compared to a modern bike, it's hard work. But there's something about, or there's something very special about riding a bike from this era that has been lost in translation with modern bikes. I cannot tell you what that is. It makes no sense. I have an emotional connection with this bike that I've never had with my more modern bikes. Sometimes I just sit there and stare at it. I take in all the lines, all the curves, the quirky design features like the instrument check panel on the clocks, the big chrome square cam covers on the motor, the beautiful stardust silver gold green or golden green colour scheme. On a warm summer's day sat outside the pub just watching the sun reflect off the chrome exhaust and listening to her tick as she cools down. It is truly magical. Okay, there's our, our rough feeling, our rough insight into the magic of these classic bikes. Now, David, I cannot include this bike into my list, but you give 
a perfect starter point as to the magic of classic bikes. If you want one of David's bikes, GSX 1100ET, you're looking at, for a 1982 model, 7,600 pounds. It's gone. It's off into the classic status. But there's something, David, that I feel very strongly, and it's exactly the same principle here. Because Monica and I have been furniture shopping recently, and we've bought one antique item of furniture. It's a 1960s sideboard, and it is the item of furniture above all else that we've bought that I'm most excited about because of the fact it's vintage, because of the feeling of stories that you cannot replicate with a new item of furniture, a new motorcycle. Wondering what previous lives that motorcycle or that item of furniture has had before it's reached your hands. How many road trips, how many people have used it. It's that intangible stuff that can never be replicated by modern machines. And that's why vintage classic motorbikes are so special. So let's get down to it. I begin. Freddy, the big Suzuki GSX 1400 recommended from Paul and Sandra in Australia. That is the muscle bike manufactured by Suzuki between 2001 and 2008. Now this is a statement bike because this is, or this was when it came out, a 1400cc motorcycle, a real proper muscle bike with 105 horsepower, 230 kilos, and it can be yours £3,800 and surely, and I've been looking at these for a long time now, 2006 model, £3,800. I know, I know they have bottomed, or they have bottomed out. They will never be cheaper than this. Surely the only way is up now, especially as the oldest models of these are 22 years old now. I move on. Okay, you'll notice a change in outfit only for this specific section because I had to redo this part because this is such an important bike and I did an extra bit of research after the podcast, found out a few little bits. All will become clear very shortly. This is from 123 Marks. Freddie, the reason that bikes such as the H2 and Z1 are so desirable is a mix of their legendary status, which unusually they achieved almost as soon as they were released, and nostalgia. When they were released, these bikes were game changers. They were big fish in small ponds. Today, however, every Tom, Dick and Harry manufacturer releases hugely powerful bikes. But back in the 70s, the H2 and subsequent Z1 rewrote the performance rulebook. There were, or they were, so much faster than their contemporary Hondas, Nortons and Triumphs. Subsequent game changers for bikes such as the Honda Fireblade in the early 1990s. The Honda Fireblade ruled the performance roost from 1992 until 1997. That is five years at the top. Today, bikes are lucky to stay at the top of the performance tree for five months. Now here is where I had to change. So the original Fireblade the CB900RR came out, it had 128 horsepower and it was 180 kilos. But here is the key point that I initially slightly overlooked and this is why I want to correct myself. There were a number of different iterations of Honda Fireblade 
And this is important because the first, the absolute first generation Fireblade came out in 1992 and it went on until just 1993. Although the engine was the same for the version 2 that came out in 1994 and went on until I think about 1995, the key here for the first two years, the 1992 model and 93 model, they had the bug eye headlamps, the two circular headlamps. So not only was the, this the very first iteration of the Fireblade, it also had those characteristic twin circular headlamps. These are almost impossibly hard to find. I haven't found more than a, a tiny handful of these absolute first generation Fireblades. I found a concourse model available from a bike dealer, in fact, a prestige vehicle dealer on eBay for 10,000 pounds right here. But I wanted to see, is it just, just possible to find a privately owned Gen 1 Fireblade, specifically a 92 or a 93 year. And I found one. And I am slightly starting to think this should probably be my bike of the week, but I've already done that in about 15 minutes time. So bear with me with this one. I have found a Fireblade from 1993. It's the Gen 1, it's the one you want. Two circular headlamps, privately owned, 4,000 pounds. Now this does need a bit of work to get it up to a very good standard. It needs a little bit of cosmetic work and a few other bits and pieces. But what you're going to get, if you pick this up, just keep it in a garage, do the work at your own pace. And what you'll get is one of the ultimate, ultimate, I mean, I say classics in waiting. It's a bang on classic right now but the fact that there's one here now for sale 21 watches on this on ebay for four thousand pounds this must be snapped up immediately because these are rare and this is the ultimate okay i move on to devil's reject freddy classic bikes the ones that are big money or the ones that are big money now, were groundbreaking bikes of their day. Not as many were sold back then, and the smaller population and lots of that population have been lost in the passage of time. So, the ones that are left now are big money. 1998 Yamaha R1s are going up for this exact reason. Next, Suzuki GSX-R, 1000 K1 slash K5s. The first Honda Fireblade, of course. The prices will and are going up. Let's have a look at this Devil's Reject. We'll start with the Yamaha YZF R1. I mean, this is as iconic a 1990s bike as you can get. You think of the performance icons from the 1990s and you cannot discount the R1. The first generation of these came out in 1998 and it went through to 2003. It had 150 horsepower and it was 175 kilos. So you can see how fast things started moving on with the Japanese and their super sports bikes. The Fireblade that I just mentioned was a game-changing bike with 180 kilos and 128 horsepower. And just six years after that came out, there was a 22 horsepower increase from the Yamaha R1. This is from MCN, I'm quoting. 
the third and final great sports bike of the 90s. The Honda Fireblade set the agenda, the Ducati 916 added finesse, and the Yamaha R1 topped them off with extra power and madness. And you can find a Generation 1 Yamaha R1, I was about to say the very first model. It's bang in the middle of when they came out. So it's a 2001 model. So right in the middle of production of the Generation 1 era. And you can pick one of these bikes up for £2,900. See, the market really has not started to explode yet. I do believe it that these are the next bikes that will explode, the, the 90s sports bikes. But it hasn't started yet. 2,900 gets you the R1. I move on. Freddy Suzuki GSXR 1000. That's the K1 model. First generation that replaced the old 1100. And that bike came out in 2001. So we're looking here for the generation Suzuki GSXR 1000. 2001 to 2003 model. Go online and I can very comfortably again find a 2002 Suzuki GSXR 1000 K1. Two and a half thousand pounds. Incredible amount of bikes you get for the money. I move on to Jeff. Freddy, early 1990s sports bikes will be a big thing. 600cc machines were massive. Nearly all of the magazines had 600cc group road tests for years. I give you the Yamaha FZR 600. Okay, this is one of the older ones. I read here from timeless2wheels.com. The Yamaha FZR 600, 1988. Oldest one so far to 1996. 91 horsepower. You can see how quickly the game was changing. 195 kilos dry weight. I mean, it's just so much heavier and slower than the Yamaha and the Honda I've just mentioned. I continue, timeless2wheels.com. The Yamaha FZR 600 Genesis, when introduced in 1989, was considered the best 600cc sports bike on the market. Its reign, however, wouldn't last forever as Kawasaki and Honda each were soon to supersede the bike's specs with their own offerings. And that means that now you can pick up this bike that didn't stay at the top of the tree for too long. And I could barely believe this. 1992 model, so that is a Gen 1 or the first of them. £1,200 for this private seller, reduced to £700. And I've got block capitals here for sale. Block capitals, no, I won't take less than £700. You will be ignored. This is a ready-to-go bike that's 31 years old. One of the real early marking points for these super sports modern generation Japanese bikes. And you can pick it up for 700 pounds in good working order with MOT. Moving on to Oliver, Freddy, bikes to go up. Check out the first generation R1 and also the R6. Great bikes today and iconic color schemes. Right, R1 done. How about the almost equally iconic R6? 
Let's see what Bennett has to say about this, Oliver. I'm quoting here. Yamaha's YZFR1 lit a rocket under the Supersport class when launched back in late 1998. Light, sporty, powerful, and obviously from the same stable as the YZF-R1. This 600 did away with the class's previous reliance on penny-pinching production, instead offering 750cc class performance in a package that worked for road and riders and racers alike. With a claimed 119 horsepower at the crank, this sub-170 kilo middleweight could crack 160 miles an hour and keep bikes like Kawasaki's ZX7R and Yamaha's own YZF750R honest at a price that guaranteed instant success. And if you want one of these, Facebook Marketplace 1999 model, so that is the Generation 1, you can easily pick one up. £2,000 with full one year's MOT, 35,000 miles, very clean condition. These are still rock bottom prices. And I don't think the prices have started going up, even looking at it in the past 10 years or so. Moving on to Mike, Freddie. For a bike to become a valuable classic, it has to be special to a generation a sort of icon that holds memories of an era. The Kawasaki H2 had the nickname the Widowmaker. It had a reputation for being ferociously fast, but not particularly great at stopping or going around corners. Many were crashed, and so the remaining good examples are now worth good money to those who want to remember that era of the peak of two-stroke power. And as we will never see a mass-produced two-stroke ever again, that just adds to the value that still exists. However, times move on and generations change and we have already started to see the start of prices rising for fantastic examples of, again, the original Fireblades and again, the original Jixxers because they speak to that next generation who had them as their poster bikes back in the 90s. Freddie, another bike that is starting to show signs of climbing values are the early BMW GSs, a bike that virtually invented the whole concept of the modern adventure bike. Again, Mike, bang on, I agree. Why is the, the modern version that we know it of the GSs, why are they defining bikes because they defined what a new adventure bike is. That's why they're so special and that's why, Mike, I agree with you. I think the BMW R1100GS and the 1150GS, the Gen 1 and Gen 2 of the new era of GSs, will be bang on future classics. What you've got here, the original new breed GS, the r 1100 GS. Now that was 1994 to 1999. Then you've got, now this is key, you've got the long way round GS and that's the 1999 to 2005 model. Now the BMW GS that they used in the long way round was the R1150 GS. So that's the 1150cc engine. Let me quote here from adventurebikerider.com. 
Of course, the R1150GS didn't just impress on TV. It's arguably the bike that changed the motorcycling world, causing a seismic shift in sales figures away from the sports tours and sports bikes towards the adventure biking sector. I couldn't decide here if I should have a look at the 1100GS or the 1150GS. And I decided that in my humble opinion, it will be the 1150GS that will be the future classic for what it represented in that era. It is really the bike that changed everything, especially with the long way round. So I wanted to see what can I find? Are these still affordable or have they really started to surge in value? So I'm looking at the 1999 to 2005 model BMW GS, just like the long way round. Facebook Marketplace, £4,000 for a 2001 model in yellow, lovely condition, private seller, photos from the owner from a recent trip to Italy and France, excellent condition, absolutely zero rust and rides smoothly. There you go, four grand, but I really do feel like these are definitely starting to go up in value. So if you are interested in an 1150 GS, I would say you'd need to grab one within the next year or two because I can really see these are now going up in value, very definitely. I move on. Morris Minor 56, Freddie, my money would be on the GPZ900R, a bike made from 1984 to 2003. But why is this bike special? Well, this is the Top Gun bike. I read here from Wikipedia. The Kawasaki GPZ900R is a motorcycle that was manufactured by Kawasaki from 84 to 2003. It is the earliest member, and I didn't know this, it's the earliest member of the Ninja family of sports bikes. The 1984 GPZ900R was a revolutionary design that became the immediate predecessor of the modern-day sports bike. Fascinating. The bike was immortalised from 1986 in the blockbuster Top Gun. But surely, surely Morris Minor 56. These have gone into the stratosphere, surely. 1984, you're looking at a, a 40-year-old bike now. There can be no way these are affordable. So I almost discounted this because it's just too valuable. It's already disappeared into classic status. But no, I'm looking at here a 1984 GPZ900R, so just, in fact, the first year, the first year these came out. The, the very first one, incredible, £4,100, reduced from £5,000. This is in tidy condition, owned for 20 years and hardly ridden, as have too many motorcycles. MOT exempt, tax exempt, classic insurance. That has got to surge in value. It must surge in value soon, surely. I'm amazed you can get it for that price. I move on. Freddie, rather than one specific bike, it will most likely be the first generation game-changing race replica motorcycles from the mid-80s onwards. Race replica sports bikes are slowly coming to an end, and I can imagine the bikes that saw the birth of these machines will become the most desirable for some time. 
I have a 1989 GSXR1100 with the legendary oil-cooled engine. I believe that any of the oil-cooled GSXR750s or 1100s will have a similar desirability of the two strokes of the 70s, as they were the most outrageous sports bikes from the mid-1980s. So many were crashed and destroyed that there's not a huge number remaining, so that just makes it even more difficult to find a good one. This is my bike of the week. And the reason I'm putting this as my bike for the week is because it is just, and I do mean just, within reach. I really believe within two to three years, the bike I'm about to mention could well be going into the stratosphere and just out of reach for the average biker. I believe that this bike could, within three to five years, be hitting the £15,000 mark. Call me crazy, but I really believe it's true. The Suzuki GSXR 1100. This is the predecessor to what many of us know as the modern versions of the Suzuki Super Sports bikes, the GSXR 1000s. This is the bike for Suzuki that started it. I found here, and in fact, before I tell you exactly what I found, let me just read this from haggerty.co.uk. This is when a, a road tester originally tested out this 1100 all those years back. And it is the GSXR 1100 from 1986 to 1998. This is what a road tester said. I instantly realized that the GSXR 1100 was in a different league to anything I'd ridden in several years as a road tester. And a further two weeks with the bike, the first few days spent recalibrating my brain to understand just how fast a road-going motorcycle could be, did nothing to alter that view. A game-changing bike. What I found is a 1988 model GSXR 1100 for £5,250. It's got 125 horsepower and it has been dry-stored for 11 years. It's got very good paint and wouldn't take much to get it bang up to very, very good condition. The reason, again, it's my bike of the week, it's 5,000 pounds now. That is just at the tantalizing level, pricing-wise. Surely we are within two to three years of this exploding. That has got to be one of the Highly desirable classics in waiting. I would say that is the number one. And I'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this week's episode or for watching. I, I massively appreciate all of the insight. It's been very, very eye-opening going through all of your, your lists of different bikes and all of your opinions on them. So thank you so, so much for getting involved. Have a brilliant week, all. See you all in the next one.